1: Welcome to the Benefits Executive Roundtable Podcast. I'm your host, Dorothy Koshu, and I'd like to welcome my guest today, Adriana Mendiata, who has many titles database manager, licensed property and casualty agent, cybersecurity, and cyber liability expert. I really like those last two, by the way. And most importantly, Adriana is a trusted business associate and friend of mine. Welcome, Adriana.
2: Thank you, Dorothy. I'm excited to be here. Thank you to you and your entire team. I'm grateful to be here and talk about cyber risk. It's such an important topic that, um, you know, needs some light needs to be shed on it more often. So I'm, I'm super grateful. And I'm excited to be here. Great. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Well,
1: I'm so happy to have you here. And as you recall, probably uh, last week, we talked to Ted Mayashiba and Ted Flitner of Aditi Group, our IT and security partners, who you also know as well. And they were talking about the latest cybersecurity threats and how to tighten down your electronic systems and so forth. So today, I really want to pick up where we left off last week. So let me start off by asking you some basic questions. First of all, you're a database manager, meaning that you're in the trenches with data on a daily basis. What are some of the routine and non-routine things that you do to protect your company's data. I mean, that's kind of your responsibility, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. Uh absolutely. Um and I manage hundreds of databases uh all year long. Uh, so, there, so there's lots going on and there's much to do. Um so I you know I use strong tactics uh like lengthy password combinations and I don't mean password 123. You know, that's uh too too easy and not long enough. You know, 14 character, 15 character, special characters, caps. I like to uh, when I'm speaking on on cybersecurity, I I like to use an example of using a phrase like best house on the block with a star. And instead of E's, use threes. And um, instead of uh, O's, use zero. And instead of A's, use four. And, And use a combination that you're brain can remember in your password schema to protect yourself because brute force and password compromises are number one in cybersecurity. It's the easiest way for a, for a hacker to get in. So I'm really big on password. And in, in addition to long passwords, MFA, MFA should be turned on, on everything, every account. When you go to my Google authenticator, you scroll to look for the account. I have to, there's just a bunch of MFA's coming through every so many seconds because MFA is that important. Um, In my office, I I employ encryption methods, uh, zero trust policies as a database manager when we're working with um, open enrollment and and system partners like EASE and Employee Navigator and PlanSource and, you know, all the uh, systems that are out there, we may have an agent or a benefit counselor team available to support that open enrollment, but they don't need access to that account 52 weeks a year. They need it for a period of time to help that open enrollment. So, you know, managing those um, access levels and, and a zero trust policy is what I employ there and... You know, Using a secluded network, it's funny because I take this serious. So at my house, we have three networks. I have an office network, which is for my stuff and my work and my printer and my phone. And then we have a family network, which is for my family. And, and that gets me because sometimes I can't use my phone as a remote the way they do being my husband and kids because they have their own network and that's for our family. And then I have a guest network. So if my nephew comes over or my son has a friend over, they connect to their own network. We have secluded networks here at the house because it's that important to me that our information stays segmented and, and taken care of. And, you know, crucial backup plans, you know, I use the three two one model and I have been using a VPN way before it was cool. You know, it's important to have those tactics in place so that the office and the, the cyber lifestyle stays secure because you know, it's really more than than work when you look at it from a perspective of we're all online all the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you're seeing the same tune as me for many years. I've also had multiple networks at my home yeah. as well, because, yeah, you can't you, you can't be too safe. And you did mention an acronym that I want you to uh, talk about for just a moment. MFA for those of uh, for those listeners that may not be in the business that we're in. Can you explain what MFA is?
2: Yeah, so it's interchangeable with 2FA. So they're, you know, they're basically the same thing. And that's a second factor, a second factor authentication, multi factor authentication. And it's crucial to keeping your account and your online activity secure. And, you know, some people might, Considered a nuisance. It's a text message. It's an application that you go in and retrieve the code, which is what I described on my preferences. I I prefer to go in and get the code as opposed to sit down and wait for it. Um, but we see it with emails too, where you're going to get an email with a code, and then you can log into your account. You know, um, in industries like banking, it's mandatory. You know, you're going to see it all the time. But we're seeing it more frequent with simple accounts. And again, I have it on everything, especially my email. You know, my utility accounts, any accounts that I have a login to. I have an MFA or a 2FA on it because it gives that that protection, that extra layer. You know, when you look at a a password and getting online, you know, you want to have something that you know, which is your password and and something that you have, which is like your phone or your email or that second way to receive something or, you know, advanced technology something that you are. It's going to scan your face or your fingerprint or something like that. And when you have a combination of those things to access a site or an account then you're the, just that much more protected from, you know, any willy-nilly being able to access it with a password one two three.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, as you know, the Teds Ted Mayashiba and Ted Flitner they often talk about uh, multi-factor authentication as well and recommend that as well. So you're yeah. you're very consistent with uh, what they uh, usually uh, advise people as well. So let me let me uh, change gears just a little bit. You serve on a cybersecurity task force, do you not? I was really impressed when I heard about this. By the way, congratulations. Can you tell us uh, about that?
2: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited too. the in in a little in any little way I can. It is the United States Secret Service, a cyber fraud task force. Um, you know, I went through the application and 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 I was approved, so I am in their database. Uh, you know, and I help them any way I can. Uh, law enforcement is key uh, to cyber risk and cyber incidents, cyber crime, and cyber investigations. But um, well, one of the things that law enforcement is not is they're not the incident response team. They can't. Um, be a part of, you know, mitigation or re- remediation. They they just, they can't do that. Um, reporting is a requirement. So we need to let law enforcement know when we find ourselves in a, in a cyber situation, but they're not incident response. And, and yet they're so critical because it, especially here in the U.S. when we think of security, you know, or theft, you know, we call the cops, somebody broke into your car, you called to make a report. You know, there was a burglary in your neighbor's house. They reached out to law enforcement. That's usually our go-to for security, but it's not necessarily the go-to in cybersecurity, you know, because, you know, cyber risks are, are classified from a law enforcement perspective. Um, you know, they're, they're classified in three categories. You know, number one is going to be nation states, um, you know, what we're seeing in Russia and, and war, war, cyber war. That kind of stuff is the priority and it's where they have to really put their cyber resources. Um, you know, when you look at the second category, you want to think disruption, kind of like what we saw at the Colonial Pipeline, where we couldn't distribute gas across the southeastern United States. They need to focus their resources there, you know, when something like that happens. And then the third is what you and I are talking about, and that's, you know, theft of private information. And it's so important to us and our business, but when it comes to law enforcement, you know, it's three of three, as opposed to being the number one, because of the nature of cyber risk. So yeah, I, I definitely serve on the task force and I, and I help them any way I can, um because There's only so much they can do, you know, with all they're tasked with.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, You recently attended a cybersecurity conference in Los Angeles. I know that because you invited me, and unfortunately, I could not go. And I know that Ted Flittner from Aditi Group was there also. So what was that conference all about? How was it? And can you tell us a little bit more about it? Uh, Yeah. Because I think it's really important for people to understand that there are conferences that help people with, with this sort of thing.
2: Yeah, you know, and this is one of the top-notch conferences. I did get to hang out with Ted there for a moment, so that was cool. It's it's a conference put on. It's a cybersecurity summit uh, conference. It was our 12th annual, and it's put on by ISA, the Information Systems Security Association. So it's an association for InfoSec guys and girls. Um, And we this is our 12th one. We put it on at the beach, so it's really... A nice venue in addition to some really good content. You know, we had law enforcement there, Department of Homeland Security. The FBI was there. Uh, We have an agent um, that sits on the FBI there in Los Angeles, and he's really integrated as a member with ISA. um, So he often speaks at our events. I'm I'm actually a member of ISA as well, and, I, and I'm on their board. I sit on the advisory board for membership, so I'm always encouraging people to come to our events and participate. But it was a, it was a great event. Um, you know, women of cybersecurity were there, uh, and we do some trendy things too, because you know, work is work, and security is fun and important to us. But we also had, um, you know, like tech ball is a new sport coming out of South America, so we just we de- debuted it there on the beach here in the U.S. so that we could see some trendy things coming on. But yeah, it was great. Um, A lot of CISO talks, Uh, several of the breakouts and the trainings were for, um, you know, information security CISOs individuals because they put themselves in in a weird position. Cyber risk is moving from, you know, the server room to the boardroom. And unfortunately, when you're an incident, it's almost human nature that everybody wants to point fingers and the CISO finds themselves in, in positions. You know that reflects cybersecurity and budget, you know, decisions. So there's really some good talks for them too. And you know, anybody that's interested in cybersecurity or data privacy should attend one of the events. And I'll definitely get you some information so that you know when they are, Dorothy.
1: Yeah, thank you. I actually attend uh, other types of events related to this as well from uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, the Office of Civil Rights, and so forth, including um, NIST, the National Institute for Standards and Technology. I attend those that used to be every year, every fall, and they haven't done them the last couple of years because of Uh, the pandemic, but I'm hoping they'll be, I'm hoping they're going to continue those again, because I always got a lot of information out of those. And I'm not a tech person like you are and Ted and Ted, uh, but you know, the, the, the law part of it, the regulatory part of it is what, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the physical and administrative security portion of that is what I do. And I leave it, uh, the technical part up to the Ted's and, and up to the Adriana's in the world. So thank you very much for that. Cool. Uh, well, <laughs> as I think most people know, October is Cyber Awareness Month. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reason I wanted to have you guys on the podcast last week and this week. So Along with that, can you tell us what are the latest trends in cyber attacks and and how can they best be prevented or at least most mitigated?
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's nothing new. Uh, it, it's the same old stuff. It's password compromisation. It's, uh, you know, BEC, business email compromise, someone getting an email and acting on it or um, clicking on something or believing it, again, acting on, on email phishing scams, smishing scams, you know, where you get a text or a social media DM. They all end in ishing, but it's some type of scam. Um so it's nothing new with regards to attacks and types, but there's been an extreme increase. Um, you know, the Department of Homeland Security says that across all sectors, uh, they're seeing extreme um, increases. So from 2020 to 2021, they were up 140%. And these are reported incidents um, across all sectors, just cyber incidents. And from 2021 to 2022 to date, they're up 600% in reported crime. So it's definitely increasing in frequency, um, you know, because the threat vector is vicious, uh, it's, it's cyber risk is an intentional risk. Um, and unfortunately, they they know that they can get away with it, those those bad actors, and, and they're they're doing their best to get a hold of us to click on something. But you know, there's, there's an odd piece of this where there's almost like a sense of acceptance, like, oh, everyone's going to get hacked, you know, TJ Maxx was hacked, um, I believe it was 2019. And they reported no impact to their sales. So customers are still confident shopping there, you know, knowing, knowing that they've been hacked. So there's a A level of normalcy with the increase, Uh, you know, again, and I think that's just a matter of it being the same old tactics, you know, the BEC, the, you know, email compromise and, and, you know, ransomware, again, is huge right now as well. There's extreme growth with with ransomware, but that's, you know, really what we're seeing there.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you already kind of mentioned this, you already kind of uh, talked about it, but how common are cyber attacks?
2: I think right now the statistic is one in every eleven, one every eleven seconds in California. So pretty common. <laughs> That's a whole lot of them while we're talking here today, Dorothy. So they're pretty common because, in you know, in reality, you can't be a hundred percent secure. And no organization can. Um, you know, there's something there. You know, so when you look at you know being ninety percent secure, you're in the best of class. Um, but there's always that ten percent chance, even for the best of class. So they're 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 definitely you know on the rise. You know, without a doubt, the numbers state that um you know again we just want to be be mindful that cyber risk is intentional you know we call it a crime and a risk and a loss but you know the the perpetrator they call it a career right they've spent years learning how to manipulate somebody and you know yeah you know and you know if you look at you know like an average ransom right now in california i say 150 i've read different things that say 130 170 you know so i say 150 is an average ransom in california and $150,000 would hurt my business. If I lost that today, I'm a small insurance agent, agency. I'm, you know, if I lost $150,000, I, I would be belly up. It would really hurt me. If you look at on the flip side of that, $150,000 would change generations for the cyber criminal. They want it. Um, so understanding that that's the risk and protecting yourself with that mindset is really the best way to approach cybersecurity. You know, it it really is because it's real. It's it's not a fake risk. It's it's real.
1: Oh, it for sure is uh criminals as kind of has as you mentioned here, i just kind of in my opinion, they're constantly working to perfect their skills, I mean mm-hmm. they get better and better because they keep trying new things and they recruit more people uh to do yeah. these things for them, and they just get better and better at it, and you know that just makes you know the end user uh you know more susceptible to all the new things that they're trying and all the they're they're getting better at what they do just like we get better at what we do and and it's constantly revolving and people need to understand that just because you thought you were protected six months ago or a year ago that does not mean that you're protected from what's going on right now this second you know today so i think that's important and i'm glad you brought that up uh what are the most common types of cyber criminals and is there a difference you know in the between the types
2: yeah, I mean, we, we give ourselves colors in this in in this world. So, you know, an ethical hacker would be a white hacker, and a criminal hacker would be black hacker, and and we got some in between because there's people that are, you know, in in gray areas like a hacktivist. We're seeing that in Russia where they're, you know, attempting to hack municipalities for their greater good or what they believe to be the greater good. So, you know, it's it's like Robin Hood stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Who who's the victim there? You know and and so there are, you know, different types of hackers, but by far, you know, the, the ones that we need to protect ourselves from are going to be the career criminals that are after our data and our, and our information. Yeah. So how do you think the
1: U.S. laws and protections are on cyber attacks, you know, when compared to other countries?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, we're probably a little behind, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a proud American, so, you know, I definitely don't want to be negative, but, you know, we're probably a little bit behind. Um, I mean, when we look at, at just, you know, systems, so Hulu, You know, entertainment in in the US, we can watch it all day long, but you cannot watch it, you know, when you're abroad unless you're on a VPN and they don't know where you are um, because of of privacy rights. You know, they don't meet them in in other regulations. And I'm talking about Hulu, you know, whatever it is that you watch on there or, you know, even when you look at like TikTok, the algorithms, um, you know, TikTok is owned by communist China. I think everyone knows that if you don't, you should. Um, you know, in the algorithms in, in China for the, the youth, which is the next generation, they're academics. So they're being used to, to grow the brain of, of their children and used for academic purposes. As opposed to here in the U.S., our kids are learning not to cook their chicken and NyQuil, right? I think that's what I'm seeing on the news now. So the, 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 Systems themselves are totally different when you look at them from country to country, you know even within you know the European Union where you have the g d p r which is great because it thinks you know it's it's a corrective plan you know with the end in mind, if you get hacked, what are you going to do? You have to assume that you will, and what are you going to do and prepare for it? so that every organization is ready um for this risk because the risk is huge. Um, you know, in, in California we have the CCPA, which is great, and, and California tends to be a trendsetter in many areas. So it's good that we're starting to look at privacy and, and implementing rules and regulations, but you know, compliance and security are, are different. Compliance is what you have to do and security is almost like what you need to do in addition to that. So it's almost like we're more a little bit more compliance than security focused um with regards to laws and that's just you know my opinion is as I learn about the different laws because cyber risks doesn't know territories you know right. we're all on that worldwide web so it's important that we know you know that we're clicking on something you know again we could call law enforcement and they'll take a report but there might not be much that our local PD can do when this is you know a, a national case or you know definitely when it's overseas and stuff
1: right well as you probably know I've written several articles on cybersecurity and uh I've, and a couple of those articles I've actually talked about how our laws compare with other countries and we are I think you're absolutely right and and I'm a proud american as well of course <laughs> but uh I think we are I agree with you we are far behind uh some other countries uh they actually have many many sets of laws and regulations and and different areas that are, that are focusing on nothing but cybersecurity. And we really do not, uh, before HIPAA, before high tech, we really didn't have much of anything protecting us here in the United States. And so, you know, if you didn't have anything to do with a health plan, then there were basically no protections. You're right. California is, you know, ahead of the rest of the game in in the United States. And we do have our own consumer protection act here, but, um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's step one, but we have a lot of additional steps that we all have to take. And hopefully, you know, hopefully the U S will, will, uh, start doing that sooner rather than later yeah yeah
2: yeah because you know the fbi and the dhs can respond and they will you know they want the artifacts they want the footprints they want to know what's going on but there has to be something else to protect us you know from a, a public perspective because when we think of security we think of police as just what, what what our nation does so we do need to
1: step up our game there yeah absolutely so what are the most common mistakes that companies make when it comes to protecting their
2: data You know, it's mostly, it's the people, you know, they don't, they don't train their people. Their people don't know, you know, when you get an email and it looks a little funny, hover over the name and make sure it's from the right email. That's such a simple tactic uh, that people don't know to do and don't do. And and then now we have compromise, Um, you know, and and with security there or technology, there's, you know, the seven layers of technology and and the people are the eighth layer. And we often joke in IT that it's the hardest layer to troubleshoot is that eighth layer, that person that was, you know, clicking keys and clicking, uh, clicking things on mouth. So, you know, the best thing any organization can do is really train, train their people. Um, you know, the top two risks are uh, business email compromise, BC and ransomware. So, so knowing, you know, knowing that and, you know, also, the, you know, that backup, that backup is really important when you think with the end game in mind, if you are compromised, how quickly can you get back up? Where's your information? Can you store it? Unfortunately, a lot of times we see a lot of organizations put their backup on the network, well, you know, it's the network that gets compromised to get to the computer. So if they can get to the computer, they can get to the backup. So now it's like times too bad because now it's your systems and your backup. You know, if you have a strong backup game or, or plan, then you have your online network, you know, your backup that's online and a third one, you know, somewhere a second one that makes you know the three two one combination, you know, in your home office or, you know, you know, wherever it is offline, so that you can back up to that immediately and get back up to going because in a cyber incident the investigation is important finding out who what when where and how is is super important and you want to get that information especially for claims and insurance and law enforcement but from a business perspective you need to get back up and running so if you can back up and get back up and running and get your business you know doing its day to day and let the investigation take its time and do its part you're you're better off than not being able to run your business and trying to get the investigation underway you know it's again it's almost like a double whammy
1: yeah, for sure. And a lot of companies uh now have people working remotely since, you know, COVID, we've all discovered that sometimes it's a lot more cost effective for employers to have their employees working at home rather than in the office. They can reduce their office square footage and so forth. And they can still, you know, with technology tools, they can still monitor them and and make sure that they're working and that sort of thing. But with that, there's a huge amount of risk as well, because now you're not Mm -hmm. only protecting your office, but you have to protect the offices or the home offices of each of those employees working remotely. And I think that's one of the things that I've seen uh, where there's been security lacking because people don't do what you and I do, having the Multiple networks at your home mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, and they really, really, really need to do that. So hopefully, some yeah. of those executives will be listening to this podcast today and last week's podcast, and they'll say, "Yeah, we really need to step up our game." So if that happens, yeah. then we've we've kind of done the best we could do, right? <laughs> so, right. Yes. <Yeah>. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so how can companies improve their risk positions? Uh, you know, our technology partners, the Aditi Group, they're constantly warning companies that they need to perform regular risk assessments, not one time, but ongoing. You know, time and time again. Do you agree with this and why or why not?
2: Yes, yes. You know, your risk can change from today to tomorrow if somebody clicked on something or, you know, somebody was able to enter, you know, a port or, you know, however it is that they were able to gain access to your system. So, yes, uh, you know, quarterly is usually what we recommend um, via ISA and our members. So it's usually at least quarterly you want to do those risk assessments and see where you are. Um, you know, and and have a, a cybersecurity person have a professional that focuses on cybersecurity. A lot of times we put this, you know, the onus on IT. And IT is busy resetting your passwords and fixing the printer and, you know, onboarding and 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 you know, exit strategies with, you know, users coming on, you know, their bandwidth is is only so wide and we, you know, we really jam a lot in IT and you know, when when working with law enforcement, you know, they they always express to me how surprised they are how many MSPs are involved. You know, and the MSP will set an organization up, the infrastructure's built, the network's running, it looks good, but nobody's really securing it, um, you know, and, and the organization might think that they're secure because they have an IT guy or girl, you know, and, and you really want to make sure that security is there, you know, just like a bank has a security guard outside and and an alarm system and a vault, um, you know, we need to be protecting our business the same way, you know, so we have to have IT because IT is critical to any organization, but we need cybersecurity guy or girl in there at least quarterly to, to check it out. And you, know, you don't want self-assessment. You don't want IT seeing what they can or cannot do. I'm, because, so, I'm so glad you talked about you that. I'm mean? so glad yeah. you brought that up
1: because, yeah, they, they don't want to have to put any more work on their shoulders. So they're going to say, yeah, everything's cool.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. I'm doing a great job. You got the best guy or girl out here. You know, they're not going to, you know, tell you where their flaws are. That's hard to do as a person, you know, especially, you know, from a professional standpoint. And and they may not
1: understand where their flaws are. That comes right down to that. I mean, they they may not be the expert on that to know that. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. You mentioned another acronym that some of our listeners Mm -hmm. may not be familiar with. So again, just for uh, the purposes of helping to educate them. Uh, What is MSP?
2: Uh, it's a service provider, uh, for IT, you know, as an IT, uh, team, they would, you know, you can set your networks up, build your infrastructure, and uh, they might be running scans for you, some, some basic scans, um, but they're not security, you know, again, they're IT, um, so they're not, they're not, they're not cybersecurity professionals. Some of them are good, you know, like, you know, the, uh, the Teds there, they are really great. They, they blend and they marry IT and security. And, and really that's what you're looking for when you're looking for a professional, but, um, you know, you don't want just an IT person in your office. Right.
1: Most companies don't have a TED or a TED or an Adriana, you know, mm-hmm. on <laughs> on their on their team. So, yeah, you really do need to have that expertise. So what kind of training do you think companies need to be giving to their employees? And as you said, not just IT, but anyone who has their fingers on keyboards <laughs> on company systems. Yeah,
2: yeah or have a, a, you know, a network, a phone connected, you know, to the, to the organization, you um, You know, when you look at, you know, who needs training, you know, I like to use a landscape company as an example. And maybe the guy or girl that only pushes a lawnmower might not need training, but the supervisor that's driving them around with a company phone, they need training. Um, You know, anybody with access to systems or information or processes, access to the customers, you know, uh, any customer service role, you know, they need training and, and not just customer service training, but cyber training. You know, again, if they get an email, they need to look at who the sender is. Sure, it might say the intended's name. But is that their email address? You know, if they see, um, you know, there's that example. Actually, I'm just going to, I'm getting a little carried away. Sorry, But there's this uh, uh, exercise that was done in the UK that I thought was amazing. It was a, a hacker size and they, went outside a coffee shop and they asked people to like a post from the coffee shop. So you see this post on Facebook. If you like it, we'll give you a free cup of coffee and a baked item. And these people are already at the coffee shop. So, you know, they want a cup of coffee and a baked item. So they're liking it. And as soon as they liked the post, uh, hackers went and searched them, you know, found out their uh, profile and, search them online to see what they could find out about that individual. And they were feeding the information on a headset to the barista that was handing them their cup of coffee. So when they liked their post outside the shop, went in, placed their order and then received their cup of coffee, their coffee would have their social security number on it, their date of birth, uh, you know, mother's maiden name, all kinds of security questions, addresses, employers, anything that that person could, that hacker that was in the van across the street could find on that person from that amount of time from when you liked a post to when you got your coffee, they would put it there to show you you know what what your risk is and and every single one of us are at risk like that with having our information out there, so training our employees to protect themselves and the organization that they work for is is it, it's a big deal you know and and you know when you look at cyber activity, you know, even cyberbullying you know cyber the cyber realm affects us at home, you know some of our kids they have these profiles online with their social media, and they really believe and feel that that's them. You know that's them. So if somebody doesn't like a post or makes a you know a nasty comment, their mental health is impacted by this cybersecurity awareness. You know, and and I'm talking about you know people and and ourselves, our employees and our families. So uh, providing that when an organization and an entity provides that training to its individual employee, it impacts cybersecurity. You know, in a, in a bunch of spaces. So I I personally think it's critical. It's it's super important. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, it's it's quite interesting to me that you used
1: as one of your two examples a landscape company, because as it turns out, uh, one of our large clients is uh, actually a landscape company here in Orange County, California, and they are probably our highest attendance uh, company for when we mm-hmm. do training. As if, in fact, uh, our October 18th training is uh, in their facility, in their training academy because it's so important to them and they had so many people that they needed to have trained and every single time that we have uh training you know we set it up usually we do it in the spring and the fall and um you know we go out to our clients and say ahead of time how many people need training so we know where what city what county whatever uh to have it that's most centrally located and it's really interesting because even though they're not we do have clients that are in the medical side of the business right and they're not our highest utilizers as far as getting the number of employees trained. It's actually this landscape company because they understand how important this is and their president is just really really he he loves the fact that we offer all this privacy and security training and like I said, they are really supportive and really want to make sure everybody's trained. So it doesn't matter what industry that you're in uh, it's it's all about employees at many different levels having the right information to keep the company secure. And and I think that uh, your examples were wonderful. And that is very, very scary when you think about the the coffee shop scenario. Thanks for bringing that to our attention because, yeah, that's very, very scary. So you attended one of our privacy officer and privacy work group trainings last spring. So be honest, I can take it. How do you think our training was compared to others that you've been to in general?
2: You know, it was great. What I personally liked is how you simplified it. You know, sometimes this is seems like a lot, you know, it's a lot of information or, you know, what am I going to do to protect this large organization, you know, with dozens of employees and, and you really presented it to the students in a in a, in bite sized chunks that could be absorbed and implemented. You know, I love the last page of the chapter where it's a log, like make copies of this and put it in a sleeve on the door. You know, it, it's, it can be that simple to make sure that you're staying on top of, of your security game and, and your training. Um, this was definitely a good use um, of my time, and you know, and I enjoyed being there.
1: Well, that's actually that's actually pretty favorable coming to you know coming from someone like yourself who actually works in this every day. So thank you for that. As you know, we also did a workshop last spring on how to do a risk assessment, and um, we had a capacity crowd in the room, and it was our highest to date attendance participating in the Zoom meeting. It was our very first live stream workshop, and I know you didn't attend that, but overall, how important is that? You know, how important is it that company executives understand the need for a risk assessment and the frequency of doing
2: them? So, very important, you know, critically important, you know, and, and kudos to you for providing it um, via Zoom because, you know, there's a place for Zoom in the new normal. You know, we can definitely absorb and, and get information for Zoom. I don't think it replaces, you know, every in person meeting. Some things need to be done in person, but allowing them to attend in an environment that fits them is, is great. So, kudos to you for doing that. But it's very important, Zoom or in person, um, that executives and business professionals know how to do a risk assessment because the cyber risk is real. And just talking about it and bringing it up brings it top of mind, you know, and it brings that responsibility back to our individual roles and, and titles within the organization. And, you know, good information, like all good things, it's, it's, it's recyclable. You know, you can hear it and then a year later you hear the same thing and you could get a different piece of gold from it because good information, you know, is recycled and we constantly need to be reminded of it because, you know, it's true and, and training like the courses that you provide should really become part of the culture and even the fabric of every organization, because we're all online. We have a website, we have email, we have phones, you know, we have networks, we, we have these things that are very valuable to the organization, you know, to, to each and every one of us that earn a paycheck there or run the run the business. And so, you know, we need to be trained and reminded constantly of what the risk of being online looks like it's not a copy and paste it, it's not that easy it's it's important that we know you know what it is that we're working with when we get on there you know i often like to refer to kind of like the freeway you know the the beautiful maserati can get hit by the pinto on the 405 it could happen you know we're all on the freeway and we're all online so just you know any value is is to, in the eye of the beholder you know and, and having it protected because it means that much too is really important and these trainings allow um It brings it to the front of our mind so that the people can see that. Sometimes I think that people forget that in technology, you know, it's the people the process and the technology in that order. It's not the technology, the process and then the people, but it's the people at the organization, the process employed and the technology used. And if we remember how important the people are and train them, the process and the technology are you know like cake and ice cream, very simple.
1: <laughs> I like how you put that. Uh, can you share with us you know one or two stories about the worst kind of failure to understand the importance of employee training and performing a risk assessments that you've seen in your career?
2: Um, so I always like to reference the big one, which is the Colonial Pipeline. I mean, come on. It was a reused password in a VPN, and it stopped gas on the southeast United States. So, I mean, really, it's, it's every phishing scam and every business email compromise and every misdirected fund and every ransomware um, is the worst kind of failure because it is to that organization. But I do know of a story of a municipality. Um, it was a city um, who was hit and they had no backup zero and they lost 10 years of crime reports and other such information that any other city would have and as a result of this breach 150 cases were closed so they were released and dismissed because there wasn't a crime report now the poor victims you know there were no homicides um but it you know still victims if somebody breaks into my car i'm pissed i'm really upset about it you know i don't that's my car, you know, who are you, who are you to break into it and take what's mine, whether it be my coins or, you know, whatever, my sunglasses, you know, that's mine and not having any adjudication available to me because the city got hacked and don't have a record of my report is silly, yet that's, that's what's happening in, in, in the world today. So, you know, I always thought that one was, was big and, you know, another one that, that I'm aware of is actually a, a local wellness retreat was hit and they had to close down for two weeks no operations um, because their systems were down and when they came back up they had lost their information for two years uh, again no backup so all their gift card sales and all their appointments and memberships and everything that ran this wellness um, organization was gone they had to you know pretend to kind of glue the pieces back together from scratch and, and we're talking about a million dollar business so you know though the, you know any any compromise is ugly and you know i guess it just when it becomes personal you know and and again when you look at the municipalities which are constant target it affects us all uh, you know because maybe you know that person's car was stolen into wasn't hit but their report was you know
1: yeah and and it, to me that first story uh about the the public entity um that's uh-huh. 10 years of history Ten that's years. that's shocking to me um but but it's a reality, and, and that's the kind of thing that can happen. So yeah, that's definitely a, it's definitely a, a a worst case scenario for for yeah. companies. So
2: yeah, and third party. You know, if you think about you know the third party that risk that comes with it. You know, we all need vendors and partners. We do, you know, apps and extensions in our toolbars and all that stuff. But with that comes added risks. You know, if they're compromised, you're compromised, and you know, how quickly do they have to let you know, you know, when you signed your contract with them, did you look at that, you know, when you clicked I agree, do they have to let you know right away, because you want to know right away, you know, or, or do they have to let you know when it gets really bad, you know, Um so, you know, when we look at that partic- particular entity had a third party risk um, involved in the, in the report. So it's, 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 it's amazing to me, you know, how we're all integrated into each other, you know, sharing this cyber risk, and and yet it's almost like, Again, it's like it's almost accepted and it really shouldn't be because there's it's preventable.
1: Right, right. Talk to us about how and why you became a PNC agent, property and casualty agent, because uh, I think this is a fascinating story, and why you chose the specialty that you did.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Um, You know, because it's, it's my passion and, you know, it's what it's living. So, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a database manager, uh, employee benefits. Um, I work mainly with worksite. Um, and I am a behind the scenes girl and I am fingers to the keyboard. I am, you know, constantly building plans and rates and stuff like that. And a lot of times the business owners don't even know me, you know, they, they know the producer and, and maybe the sales or executive. Um, but I'm behind the scenes with all the data, you know, and an employee benefits, as you know, Dorothy, it's everything it's dependents, it's doctors, it's salaries, you know, it's all the information and, you know, with duty comes responsibility you know, and I I believe in that. So I, in order to better myself, this is pre pandemic 2017 and 2018, I went and studied um, cybersecurity at Long Beach State, just to make sure that I was employing the best practices that I can in my business. And my eyes were extremely um, open to cyber risk and what businesses are facing, because here again, here I am hundreds of cases. And a lot of times the business owner doesn't even know me. And I have everything, you know, my fingers have the data. And so I started looking for. Uh, at the time, I had two uh, office assistants and managers in my office helping me, and I needed to give them cybersecurity training. I could, you know, lead by example as best as I can, but they needed training. Um, you know, as we talked about, very important. And I, I found Zaguro, and Zaguro at this time was a cybersecurity and a cyber insurance company. And I met with the CEO, and you know, you get the cybersecurity training and you get the policy. And I told him, You know, maybe we can flip that. Let's sell insurance and cybersecurity training. It's the same product, but, you know, presentation is everything. And, you know, I let them know about the Association of Health Underwriters, which I'm a big fan of and a member for for many years. And, you know, how these professionals, business brokers are already talking to business owners. So let them talk about employee training with this. You know, financial backing of a policy and Zagirl brought me on as a recruiter so essentially I was a, a consultant and I was talking to brokers I authored two courses at the department of insurance which I spoke on uh, with Akahu. Um and I you know essentially trying to recruit brokers to offer cyber insurance to their book and of course or, you know grow their revenue as they were doing that and, and I was a recruiter um, you know for Zagirl and, and I loved it it was a lot of fun and um, I got to educate a lot of people about cyber risk and, and I love talking about cyber risk I think it's so important um then last year happened, and when I refer to last year, the cyberspace in the news—they call it—it um, it hardened or it shrunk. Um, really, the carriers were taking major losses. I mean, we saw it with the Colonial Pipeline, which I've already mentioned. Um, you know, the the meat, the meat company that was impacted. Um, you know, we had the Kaseya attack last year, which was awful, and it really got into thousands of organizations. And you know, the Solar Winds breach and. You know we're getting into these these issues that the cyberspace hardened or shrunk, and uh, many cyber insurance companies exited the market. And Zagro was purchased by HSB Bank, so good for Zagro team. They were able to sell that piece of the business, but that left no place for me uh, because I'm an insurance agent. I'm not a, a cybersecurity uh, guy or girl. I, I sell insurance and I employ cybersecurity tactics and I educate people on them. So. I could either fold up shop and stop talking about cyber and just go back to focusing on worksite and database management, or I could double down. And I, I did just that. I uh, rebranded my agency to be a cyber insurance uh, agency. And that is the really the only insurance plan I, I offer because I offer database management and worksite benefits, but through my team, I'm a, an operations or a behind the scene kind of girl. So I, I really offer uh, cyber insurance and I've been working a lot with small businesses and, um, Cybersecurity folks to, to talk to businesses about the importance of the cyber insurance and the, the financial backing it brings and the the tools to help mitigate some of that risk that um, we all have. So what types
1: of cyber liability coverages are available to companies?
2: So you can get cyber coverages in a, in a couple of fashions. You know, I think prior to the pandemic and prior to last year with, you know, the losses that we did, we saw a lot of riders um, you know, so a cyber rider on a general liability or or something like that, and, and really, an organization should have a standalone comprehensive policy that covers just cyber. Because as cyber has evolved and insurance carriers are taking losses, um, there's something in in the in the industry that's referred to as silent cyber. So if it doesn't say that a cyber breach is covered, it's probably not. And yet, you think because cyber is online, that you're covered. And so you really want to look for the language of cyber in your general liability policies to make sure that you do, in fact, have coverage. Um, I only offer standalone comprehensive cyber insurance policies in my office. Um, You know, it's what I'm passionate about and and it's what I focus on. So when you're talking to me, I'm going to offer you an entire comprehensive policy and you tell me what's not important if you want to take something out you know we can do that um but i only offer comprehensive policies but i do really want consumers to know when they're looking at their portfolios and their policies to look for the cyber language in their policies because you don't want to think you have coverage and then not have it in the event that you have a claim
1: right for sure well how expensive is it now especially since you know everything that happened in the last year or two uh and
2: generally how is it priced So, you know, I don't think it's too expensive. There was an increase because before cyber wasn't really a thing. So it was super affordable. And now it's going to be an average cost of insurance. So, you know, there was an increase in premiums. You know, you can't deny that. But I don't feel that it's it's something that's not affordable. I really focused uh, on small businesses. So businesses that are making less than a million dollars a year. um, And I would I usually quote a million in cyber incident and then a million in business interruption. So a million and a million each side. And I'm finding them to be less than $2000 a year or about $2000 a year 2300 1800 depending on the risk so when we quote an uh, an entity we actually um, we being the carriers um, we, you know and I am and an independent agent so I can work with multiple of them but they all pretty much use the process where they take the digital asset the URL the website and they attempt to hack it and they look at the vulnerabilities in the website and they respond with your quote, this is your rate. And this is why we came up with this rate. So you automatically come out with a vulnerability report. You know where you can fix things. And my favorite thing about insu- cyber insurance is it, it's not lost focus. You know, insurance, I've been an insurance agent for 17 years and it's all lost focus. My tooth hurt. I got sick. Someone crashed my car. You know, I mean, it's definitely lost focus. The tree fell on my neighbor's car. I mean, you name it, it's lost focus. But with cyber we actually offer preventative measures because, again, your cyber risk is huge, but it's manageable. You can prevent a lot of the attacks using MFA and some of the things we talked about. So what the insurance policies are doing or the comprehensive policies that I offer is, number one, they're giving you curriculum. So you ask your users to take this class. You know, They're going to take a cyber risk assessment um, for knowledge base, and we're going to know where this user has weaknesses and strengths. And where every month they get a, a chapter or a course, and every month they grow in cybersecurity awareness, and this is included in your policy. So as you um, educate your employees, your risk is going to go down because they're learning about their cybersecurity awareness. And again, that's a tool provided to you by your policy. The policy is also going to provide risk assessment. So it's going to do a scan on that asset that we're insuring every quarter. And every quarter we're gonna send you a scan and say, Here are your vulnerabilities. And as those vulnerabilities are exposed, you can take that almost like a work order to your IT girl or guy and say, Hey, work on these. We need to we need to drop our risk here. We need to patch these holes or you know, whatever it is that happened. And by applying those two preventative measures, your renewal can actually go down. And you get those preventative measures with the financial backing of the policy. Where in the event that there's an incident, you have the claims payable and an incident response line to report to, and things like that. So you know, they're generally really affordable, and if if you're they're utilized in the proper manner and they can really help an, an, an entity not only lower their cyber insurance cost but their actual risk that it's based on.
1: Well, thank you. So what does cyber liability coverage generally cover overall?
2: So liability is, is third party and again, I like to offer um, insurance so for first party as well um, but it's going to cover things like cyber extortion, the ransomware, um, you know, the, the PCI fines and assessments, you know, you, you're, as a business owner, you're responsible for the information that you're, that's yours. So if you've exposed people's information and you know their name and their email you know maybe you are you have a candle store online candle store and you offer a coupon for their birthday and so they've given you their birthday and now you've exposed their birthday and their name and their email and their address because you mailed them this candle that's a lot of information that you've now you know you had in your hands and you exposed and you have to be responsible for that so there are you know fines and assessments included in the loss you know that that the business owner has and you know regulatory defense and penalties if you know you have to provide this person complimentary identity theft for one year so the policy is going to cover that but maybe the person's upset that they get this free complimentary identity theft for a year so now they you know send you some registered mail or something and now you have regulatory defense and penalties these are things that the policy will cover first party and you know network and information security liability you know we're, we're we're responsible for our networks and our informations and um funds transfer fraud you know unfortunately someone sends the ceo or the cfos an an email that looks pretty right on about send this you know twenty thousand dollars here for a down payment on a new machine and she does it well You know, it's not a crime to be duped, so the bank's not going to give you $20,000 back. It was an authorized transaction. You know, that's a misguided funds transfer. You know, these are things that um, the policy will cover you. Digital asset restoration. You know, you want to get your computers back to up and running, or you need to have your computers replaced, um, you know, pollution or bodily injury due to a cyber event. They do happen sometimes. Um, But most importantly, on the first party side, it's that business interruption. So the while we're getting things, figuring out what happened and getting things ready, you're getting that business interruption so that your business has not been interrupted and you can continue to run your business and your profit and loss sheets, you know, the way you need to during that time. And, you know, the reputation repair and the crisis management, public relations, incident response, all of that cost from the first party that a policy would cover. And, you know, something else sometimes that I think that it is minimal, but it, it it's nice to have it is the multimedia content liability. You know, if you post a picture or a you know logo of something that you didn't realize that you didn't have permission to you know the the multimedia content liability part of the policy will you know either defend you and say hey you can't put your photo right at the top of google images if you don't want people to use it you know we'll take it down but we're not going to pay a fine because you had it out there or you know, here's the fine. We shouldn't have did that, you know, but have, knowing your rights and having that team behind you because, you know, an insurance company doesn't want to take a loss, right? Like with all industries, we're, we're a profit-driven industry. So by having these protections as a policy owner, the insurance company, you know, gives you that financial backing that you need for the cyber realm because all the stuff happens there. You know, it's, all that stuff happens.
1: Right, right. So are there things that employers can do to lower the cost of their uh, cyber liability coverage? I mean, can they increase training? Can they write better PNPs? And, you know, can they uh, have different IT security levels? What What are some of the things that employers can do to bring down that cost?
2: Yeah, so I think um, I, I do want to answer that question. But what I want to say first is what you need to do to get the policy, right? Because there is a high risk out there. So, you know, insurance carriers, you know, when you fill out your, your application, they are looking for, for certain preventative measures up front. Again, that backup that I've mentioned is huge. And if you state on the application that you have a backup, you better have a backup. Don't say that you have a backup if you don't. And, you know, I often am working with, you know, CEOs or business owners and they think they have a backup, but, you know, why don't we get IT on the phone? Why don't you call your MSP or your IT provider and and find out if you have the backup? And what is that frequency? Is it daily? Is it monthly? Is it weekly? Is it quarterly? What does that look like? You know, is it every hour? How often are you backing up? Because... The insurance companies want to know that you're thinking with the end game in mind as well. So they want to know that you have a backup. They want to know that you're using encryption or multi-factor authentication. That you know they want to know these things before they're willing to insure you. So you know I think that that's always the starting point. And the two things that I always talk to my um, Clients about is you know the MFA and the backup you know you know the encryption you know what does that look like you know in your IT game or your cybersecurity posture and hygiene so once you can get the policy um, you know and you have the policy and you've agreed to it um, then you can definitely lower the premium I actually had a, a client renew this month and he had a 33 percent decrease in his premium and he did it by utilizing the two preventative features of the policy he employed the cybersecurity awareness training so that his staff was getting it and of course because the insurance carrier is the Provider, we know they're doing it. Um, so we know that they're getting the cybersecurity awareness training and those scans that he received from the insurance company um, scans, he gave it to his IT department as a, as a work order and they worked on every single one of those items. So when we did his renewal, his His team was cybersecurity awareness training had been employed, so they were smarter, using better posture, and his scans were done, so his hygiene was great. We could lower his rate 33%, so he was really happy with that. And, again, insurance always so lossful because it's not too common that you can come back to your client and say, hey, you're doing great. We're going to lower your rate, and we do get to do that with cyber.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good thing for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what are the most important takeaways that you want to share with uh, people today and remind them of regarding the importance of protecting your data and the importance of purchasing cyber liability coverage?
2: Yeah, I mean the first thing really is you know know about it. Don't don't bury it or ignore it. You know awareness is key. As with anything, when you're aware of something, you can manage it. Um, so work with a cyber um, professional like the Teds uh, that you do. Get get to know what your risk is and measure it against your appetite. You know 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 what it is and and what you're willing to have. And manage and, and get a quote if it's too much, you know, look for an insurance policy that can help you with the financial backing for your digital assets, because our digital assets are, are you know, what, what keep our businesses running in a day and age like today. So you really want to make sure that it's protected. And, you know, if you do, you do want to employ cybersecurity awareness training, you do want to pull your scans, because if you know, again, where your measurements are, and you verified against your appetite, or you measured against your appetite, you know, you know, where you stand in, in the cyber realm, because like I said, it's happening and law enforcement is not incident response. You know, they can help a little bit and they definitely want the forensics, but you have to have um, a plan to protect your cyber, uh, your digital assets.
1: Thank you very much for all of this great information. I wanted to let you and everybody else know if uh, you weren't aware of it, that we, of course, as I mentioned previously, are doing uh, privacy training again this fall. Um I believe that this podcast is going to be released on the date that our first training is, which is in South Orange County in Rancho Santa Margarita on October 18th, uh, but we just added another training, which will be on November 2nd in Los Angeles County in Santa Fe Springs. So information is available on our website. Uh, you can go to advancedbenefitconsulting.com slash privacy training, and you know it's, it's there, and uh, we like to offer this to the public, so please... Please um, go ahead and check it out. And Adriana, as someone who has attended our privacy trainings, in, you know, in the past, can we get some sort of an endorsement from you? Kind of absolutely. kidding, but kind of no, kidding, no, no. but that would be <laughs> great.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone that's listening, you know, if it's today, I hope you're there. And if it's uh, the the one that's coming up, I hope you registered today. Uh, you know it's good get good information is recycled and and Dorothy's constantly providing the information that we need to fill ourselves with um, you know to have our, our posture up and running if you wouldn't mind I'll be uh, contacting you after this podcast at
1: some point to get your comments because we do uh, take into consideration comments from people that have attended uh, we've always gotten very very high grades from our from our attendees but if there's something that needs to be improved upon I want to get your comments on that to see what we can do to do that Absolutely. so <laughs> so again unfortunately we're out of time uh, thank you so much for all of the information that you shared with us today it's been so nice to have you on and, and to have somebody on the podcast this is passionate about privacy and security as i am so thank you very much for being with me today
2: you're the best darcy thank you it was my pleasure time flies we're having fun that went quickly um, you know it, it, it's been great you know and thank you for leading the way because uh, this is an important topic that more people need to be uh, much more aware of
1: yes absolutely if someone should uh, want to reach out to you how can they do that
2: yeah, you can visit my website. It's cyberliabilityforbusiness.com, and you can schedule a Zoom or an in-person meeting with me there. Uh, you can also uh, read about the cyber coverages that I offer and uh, get a quote. So if you want to look at the questions that the insurance carriers are asking, I put a get a quote button there in that uh form comes up so you can see what it looks like um, to be on this side of cyber insurance.
1: Well, thank you again, Adriana. And to everybody else out there listening, please stay safe, stay healthy, and remember to tune in for next week's episode of the Benefits Executive Roundtable. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754, extension 3. Toll free at 866-658-3835 or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.